All right. And we're back. Season three, episode one. And uh, like always, we're going to get started off with the question of the week. And that one today is, as theaters gradually open back up nationwide, what will it take for you to step back into one? Honestly, at the very beginning, I was like, you know, I'm not going back. There's no way I'm going back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, there's a podcast I listened to. Of course, they don't live anywhere near here, but elsewhere, they said their theater opened back up and it was a pleasurable experience. You know, people were um, acknowledged the rules and regulations, you know, they understood, understood why they were there. And they, they felt comfortable and felt safe. So I didn't really feel any need to go back until I saw the James Bond trailer. I was like, oh, well, maybe by November I can creep right. back. But it, we just need more clarification on what they're going to do about it to me. Yeah. I, I think that's where I am too, is that... Um there's nothing that I really want to see that much that's going to make me go back before the end of the year. But if sometime in January or, uh, you know, February, they come out with like some like heavy rules, you know, like this is what we're doing, blah, 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 blah. I, uh, uh, maybe. I, yeah, but I need more. So. Yeah. Yeah. And from the sounds of it, like, you know, Mulan's going to be on Disney plus by December. That's fine. Right. I hear it's horrible. <laughs> so I don't like it's like and that's like my biggest thing with going to the movies, like if it sucks, like right. the the experience is already over, you can get your money back, but like you've already wasted time. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. One likes film, the other TV. Together, they chronicle life in the peak entertainment era. It's a streamable life. Uh, like we said, this is season three, episode one of It's a Streamable Life. And Brandon, what happened today in history? All right. Um, today in history, we had, had, a, had a quite a lot. Had quite a lot, honestly. Um, in 1960, um, Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock was released nationwide in the United States. Um, 1966, Star Trek premiered on this day on NBC um, all those years ago. That was pretty big with uh, William Shatner. And uh, yeah, everybody knows Star Trek. So there's that. Um, 2015, on this day, Stephen Colbert uh, debuted as a host of The Late Show. And I swear it seems like it's been much longer than that. That one. Yeah. Surprise wasn't you said 2015 i thought oh yeah 2008 it's like no that's right. five years yeah. ago yeah so i guess it's just he took over and then bam trump hit and that wow. first like two years we had nothing but stephen colbert so yeah um and then in music um this one made me feel old. In 2001, Kylie Minogue released her hit single, her biggest single of her career, I Just Can't Get You Out of My Head. So I feel like that song was everywhere. Yeah, that was my freshman year because I remember going to the high school dance and then playing it 
<laughs> literally at the end when people were leaving. I was like, all right, that's funny. Yeah, I'm but um, yeah, talking about music though, I did, and we'll get into it. Um, sometimes I end the night by watching like uh, we have I have like this second Nickelodeon channel that shows like all the old stuff that we kind of grew up watching, and they have a section called like Nickelodeon Rewind and they're playing all the music like we grew up with. And this morning they were playing Spice Girls and I was like, oh my gosh, we really are getting old. Like, dang. That was definitely elementary school. Right, right. Woo! That's crazy. Yeah. All right, we'll get into our first official segment here with our headlines. Um, a lot has happened in the past two weeks. So we just sort of got some, a few big things Mm -hmm. for you from the entertainment world here. First off, we will discuss um, DC's Fandom Part 1. Since we know that a lot of the cons and conventions and festivals that sort of prep people for the upcoming film and movies from their favorite properties were canceled because of COVID, a lot of people are going the virtual route. And DC decided to take upon themselves to do that with the first part of their fandom. And I have to say, watching mostly of the whole thing it went really well okay um because i think some people have experienced with the virtual cons that there's either technical difficulties or there's a lack of interaction per se that the viewer gets from watching they they really made sure to sort of keep things robust um and it was like an international thing so they had like co-hosts and moderators from all over the world who are DC fans. So it made it really different. Okay. Um, and the biggest things that, well, the things I cared about mainly um, were the uh, new trailer for, oops, excuse me, Wonder Woman 84. Yeah. Which is a sequel to Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman starring Gal Gadot. Yeah. Um, the trailer looked really good. We saw more of the new characters as, uh, Maxwell Lord and um, Cheetah or Barbara, I don't know her last name, played by Kristen Wiig and Maxwell Lord's played by Pedro Pastel. Yeah. Um, it, it looked really good. Did you see the trailer? Yeah, I caught it. It was it was definitely, it was good. It it made me want to see it. I I, would, I didn't see, it made me want to see it in theaters because um, I did not see the first Wonder Woman in theaters until it came out. But yeah, I would, I would definitely go see this one. Yeah. And then we also got the much highly anticipated first trailer or teaser of, um, what's his name? Matt Reeves, the Batman. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was, that was pretty good. It was really good. Yeah, it was. And as we all know now that production has sort of like halted there because the star, uh, Robert Pattinson, uh, tested positive for COVID. So yeah, we don't know when that will begin again. Um, and then uh, there were a few other things I was interested in. First off, Gotham Knights is a video game by Warner Brothers game Mark Trial, who did one of the Arkham spinoff games. And mm. this one follows Gotham City, but Bruce Wayne, aka Batman, has died. And he's left, left uh, sort of like his heir to fighting crime to, I guess, the Bat family, which includes Robin. Batgirl, Nightwing, and Red Hood. So it's supposed to be like a co-op possibly to play um, this game, figure out who's the villain and whatnot. It looked pretty good. 
Okay. So they're trailing out there for that. And then the Suicide Squad, the new version with, um, what's his name, directing? James Gunn. Oh. Had like a little special preview thing. They basically had like a uh, cast announcement where they announced who everyone's playing and then they sat and played some goofy game with the cast, which I didn't pay attention to. But um, I know a lot of people are looking forward to this. There was a lot of uh, mixed emotions about the first one. Um, did you see the first Suicide Squad? Uh, yeah, I did. I thought it was okay. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree. I, it, it had areas where it could be better, but yeah, I thought it was it was decent. Yeah, so we'll see. This one has the only um, continuity with characters in this one are um, Joe. Can I can I come? How do you say his name? Ooh, Joe. Uh, it's a really can I, yeah can, yeah Joe K. Right. His character, um, Margaret Robbie's Harley Quinn, of course, Viola Davis's uh, Amanda Waller, and then the guy who played Boomerang. Those are the only characters that are continuing from the previous film. And you have a, okay. a, a buttload of new characters and actors. So, yeah. And that's not due until sometime next year, I believe. Um, anything else from DC fandom that you catch or anything? Uh, not really. I saw some of it, but I I, sh- I remember specifically that that Saturday when the biggest thing, the bigger things were happening. We were we were out because I I remember texting you, so I missed a good chunk of it, but I was able to catch up on trailers and things. But yeah, yeah there there wasn't too much. Else. And they had a lot of interesting panels, which I didn't expect either. Like they announced uh, the next Batman comic will be written by John Ridley, and. Oh. Um, Luke Fox, I guess, who is might be the son of Lucius Fox in the Batman universe, he'll be taking the mantle of Batman. So he'll be the first black Batman in the comics. So that should be interesting. Okay. Um, so they had a lot of different panels that were interesting, that, which I didn't expect because I'm not that much on the DC fandom. So it was cool. Yeah. yeah. And then this Saturday, they'll have part two which will explore more of their TV shows as they build the multiverse. So, um, yeah, that'll be all day on the 12th. Yeah. Okay. And then um, the other biggest story, um, which was a shocker, shock uh, around the world, basically, we learned that um, Chadwick Boseman had passed away. Yeah. Um, about a weekend ago. Um, he had succumbed to a four-year battle with uh, cancer. And I think it, it came as a shock because we, we were all learned that while he was um, working and taking all these movies um, like Black Panther and Marshall, he was going through surgeries and chemotherapy and never once stopped or made any excuses right um, right so it, it was definitely a shock to to everyone yeah it I th- and what was so shocking is you know obviously the characters he played i think when you watch movies you think that the people that play these characters are somewhat the characters themselves and so we saw him always play like strong characters or like people that were charged like when he played uh 
we played James Brown and when he played Jackie Robinson and all he had to go through and, you know, I'm sure there's elements of those characters that were him, but to, then to see somebody, you know, succumb to something is kind of like, ah, oh, damn. And I think that's what really hurts in these instances. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then at 43, his career was really just sort of taking off. Like, yeah. Like we, we don't really realize how, how important the roles he chose were and all the excuse me tributes paid to him from different actors and whatnot the comments um today lupita nyong'o had posted a beautiful tribute to him on her instagram and um, just no no one had any anything bad to say about him he seemed like he was a genuine person who really was about the work that would uplift others uh, african-americans um so he will be missed and as much as it hurts that he's gone i i found this i was sort of sad but like he went on his own terms you know he right right lived the way he wanted to live and worked the way he wanted to work so you can't you can't be mad at that exactly yeah all right uh anything else on your headline docket uh no no i think those are really the biggest things of these past two weeks all righty um we'll now transition to our next segment where we were planning to discuss we hunt together showtime's new series did you keep up with this show uh yeah actually i did (laughs) okay so i only watched the first two episodes and then i kind of lost the rhythm okay well yeah we don't have to spend a lot of time but if you want, I could just give like kind of a rundown of what's happening. Okay. That's cool. okay. So I think the biggest part is that uh, I'll kind of hit it by character and how they've gone, but um, the, uh, Oh, the, okay. So the two, the two uh, main characters, Baba and uh, Freddie, they're still, they're still going. They're avoiding the cops somehow, and they've killed more people, and they've gotten closer as a couple. But there's still this whole manipulative kind of air to a relationship where Freddie has a control over Baba and what he does. Mm-hmm. And um, but we, we we are starting to see more come out about who they are. So we get the story about Baba's background as being a child soldier and being abducted and having to kill people as a young person. And then I think Freddie has maybe the more interesting story. We, you get a hint that something has happened in her life that has changed her this way. And so I think about episode three or four, we learned that she was, her father sent her to like a boarding school situation because she was a bad kid. And so then when she's there, she starts having flashbacks of a teacher. And so they kind of allude to, her maybe being molested or abused by this teacher and that's that's the image that they put in our minds of this whole thing so you like stick with that for a little bit and then on the cop side we learn more about the cops as well like the um i think his name is just uh johnson or jackson that's what they call him di jackson he kind of has like an anger problem that doesn't really come out but like he goes to his garage they go to his garage in one episode and like he's broken furniture and all this other stuff, but he's really calm on the outside. And then the other detective, um, detective Franks, 
she has a heroin problem. So yeah, I remember seeing that at the end of the episode. I said, girl, where are you doing? Yeah, right, right. So everybody's kind of grown in a way. So um, at one point she needs to take like a urine sample and he does it for her so that she doesn't get caught because she just shot up heroin. Oh, wow. They go to his house to kind of do some extra work. And it's like, he he told his wife he wouldn't be there. And then he sees his wife having like, kind of like a close dinner with some guy that she works with. So he figures out that, you know, she's cheating. So that's where they are. And then I think Freddie, like I said, so in this latest episode, she goes back to her boarding school as a grown woman. She confronts this teacher, but then what, what happened is that she pushed this teacher down a flight of steps and it paralyzed him from the waist down because she created in her mind that he was abusing her and her best friend and that he was the reason that her best friend died. But he starts telling the story of what actually happened and she starts to unravel. And uh, what, what the actual story is, is that the young girl that was her friend, her father died, so he kind of moved he kind of acted like a father figure for this girl and was like, well, yeah, I do. I do kind of, you know, I love you and I care about you. And uh, Freddie took that as him touching and kind of molesting her and this stuff, but that was never the case. She just made that up in her mind. And she said that her friend killed herself because she couldn't stand the pain. But what actually happened was that Freddie was jealous because the teacher gave the other girl a ring and Freddie wanted it, pushed her into a pond, and the girl drowned. And so Freddie ends up killing this teacher because he's in a wheelchair. She doesn't does she un, like she takes off his brake and he's tied to the chair and he falls back into the water. And oh um, yeah, yeah, a lot's happened. But what's really crazy is that her name is not Freddie. She's yeah, her name is Lily. Like she's taking this whole it's it's yeah, it's a lot going on. I'm gonna have to catch up because yeah. I wasn't sure where they were going. I will say the second episode was a lot better than the first. Right. I thought. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's 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 pretty good. It it lacks a punch. It's it's I don't know. It seems like there needs to be something deeper there, but for I guess what it is, it's exciting. But yeah, you should go back and watch it because there's a lot of stuff I left out. But, okay. Um, I really yeah. like. That part about the um, D.I. Jackson because it kind of explains his overly positive des- 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 right yeah right right so yeah he's there's definitely more to him than what meets the eye so that's interesting I'll definitely put that on my list with everything else <laughs> all right uh, we're now getting to binge me please um, these this is our segment where we discuss uh, shows that we were watching offhand uh, and you rewatch, whatnot, um, stuff like that. So during the break, what did you consume and did you finish anything on your queue list? Um, I didn't consume anything. Well, I did do something new, but no, I didn't finish anything. But I went back and uh, I watched the first two seasons of American Horror Story and uh, – I just did it on a whim, no particular reason. But uh, when I watched the first season, I was trying to see if, like, I still felt the vibe that we did the first time. Like, like you know, you know, when we first watched it, man, we got on Skype afterwards and talked about it, try to break it down and everything. Yeah. And um, I don't know, it, it wasn't exactly the same, but 
I think I went back and it was just like, uh, just like, wow, this was, this was a moment. Like, you know, Twitter was at its infancy and people just kind of exploded with it when the show came on. But, um, but no, I, 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 so I knocked those two out. And then on HBO, a new show, the docu-series, docu-drama, um, The Vow, about the, oh God, the cult slash thing. And, yeah. oh God, they said Inex, Nexium or something like that. Mm-hmm. It is that shit crazy. Like, it's only three sub- episodes in, so you could catch up if you not watched it, but. Yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to get on it yet. Oh my goodness, it's absolute. It's, it's insane. Like it's the 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 articles you read about it don't do it justice. This is just uh, it, it's wild. But um, I won't I won't spoil anything. But yeah, those those are two things that I've kind of been that I've watched during the, our time off. So yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. For me, I finished the first season of Craig of the Creek. Okay. On HBO Max, and I need them to add season two on there because there's no <laughs> season. I was sort of looking forward to watching more, but um, it's a great show, really funny, really smart. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, and then I started also on HBO Max, Harley Quinn, the okay. animated series. That is hilarious. Um, I think it's just 10 episodes. I'm like on episode um, four or something like that. Yeah. Um, basically follows Harley Quinn after breaking up with the Joker and she's wanting to strike out on her own as a criminal mastermind and is seeking to join the Legion of Doom on her own merit. So it really, in a comic, dark comedy way, uh, sort of tussles with, you know, so like feminism and um, yeah. masculinity and stuff like that. So it, it's yeah. a smart watch. It's really fun. And then stuff I just kind of watched on the whim, Sister Sister on Netflix, been watching that every morning. It's something to laugh at. Right. Um, and then this past weekend, I started The Boys season two on Amazon. They dropped three episodes last Friday and then one episode every week after that. It is already batshit crazy. <laughs> if you didn't watch the first season, you'll be lost, but this season ups the ante a lot. Um, yeah. And then Raised by Wolves on HBO Max. I One episode in on that, they um, dropped three episodes as well. And we'll drop one weekly on Thursdays. It's interesting. Um, a sci-fi thing from really Scott. Um, you just have to really watch. It's, it's not like heavy, confusing, like a Westworld yet. Yeah. It's just a lot going on. Okay. So. That concludes our binge. Me please will now get into no concessions where we discuss film and other trailers that we consumed. Um, Let's start with the trailers. So first off, we unannounced, I forgot this was coming. We got the first taste of season two of HBO's His Dark Materials. Yeah, we did. What did you think of this trailer? Um, it was good. I was like you, I was not expecting it. You know, everything else has been shut down. So I thought this would have been too, but um, no, it picks up where it left off and uh, I, I'm ready for it. Cause I'm, I'm interested in how they continue and what we get next. So yeah, it was good. Definitely. It, it doesn't come out of nowhere. I 
some reason I didn't think they had been re- been uh, recording it, but right, right, I agree. It started pretty much while we were watching season one, getting back right. And then we got the second trailer for um, No Time to Die, Daniel Craig's final bow as James Bond. This yeah. trailer was really good. Oh yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it explored more of the story, more of the characters, um, the villain. Um, it, it looks really good. Yeah, you can always count on James Bond to, you know, I'm not like a huge fan, but they're definitely movies like, you know, if I catch it 15 minutes after it started, I'm into it. Like, I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really good. yeah. And then you had some trailers that you saw. Yeah, uh, some random things. I. Okay, so the first one is called The Secrets We Keep, and this one has, uh, oh God, I'm always messing up her name, Numi Rapace, um, Chris Messina, and the guy we were just talking about, Joel Kinnaman. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is about a woman who, I think she's like in 1950s America, but she was in a concentration camp in Europe in like the, the 30s and 40s. And so she's in, America she's living her life and then she's out and the trailer shows her going out to like the park and she hears a man whistle and she recognizes the whistle from the Nazi trailer camps and then you have like this dark flashback where she kind of she she starts to panic and she goes home and she starts hyperventilating but then she has like this flashback of her being like you know tortured and 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 raped by these prison guards and so what happens next is that she tells her husband and they kidnap Joel Kinnaman's character and keep him in the basement. And that's kind of where the trailer stops. Wow. Yeah. So it, it was intense and I have no clue when it comes out. Uh, Cause I mean, the whole theater things, but yeah, I'm, I'm into it. It looked really good. Um, and then Netflix put out a trailer for, um, it was called Challenger, the final flight about the uh, space shuttle Challenger and, exploded a couple seconds well not a couple seconds maybe like 30 seconds after takeoff and uh kind of goes more into depth about what that moment meant for america what it was supposed to mean and um kind of how space travel and science changed afterwards and then um the film the devil all the time about tom holland featuring tom holland robert pattinson they live like in backwoods ohio and uh just kind of follows a family and there's a serial killer is the trailer was all over the place it, it was really good though but um I, I don't even know how to explain it it's just a lot of bad people in the small area so yeah yeah i remember good. seeing the trailer i think last week and like yeah. robert just had that line he kept you know, like yelling in the church i was like mm. right <laughs> <laughs> and i saw a tweet um about the secrets we keep like Joel was like saying, like this is like this the darkest role he's ever taken on or whatever. So I was like, oh, yeah. It it the trailer is extremely heavy for for it to be a two minute trailer, but um, I'm interested because yeah, Numi Rupet Rupay she she does she didn't do anything that's like right. easy. So. And Chris Messina is an actor. Oh yeah, man. He he pops he's up here and there, but has the range. Yeah, absolutely. All right, as far as movies, um, I only saw one. Uh, Netflix's Project Power. 
This was starring uh, Jamie Foxx, Dominic Fishback, and uh, Thomas Gordon-Levitt. Okay. And this was really good. I was surprised. Um, the trailer definitely gave it a sort of uh, hero, superhero action flick. And I thought I was just going to get a simple like action movie, sort of like the old guard had given us. Yeah. Yeah. But this, there was definitely a twist in it and like a much deeper meaning um, mm. in the story. And Dominique is a star. Like she's not, she's supposed to be like the, I guess, supporting character, but she, she shines on screen with both Jamie and Joseph. So okay. um, yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah, um, for sure. Because if it does well, I could definitely see sequel potential to where the story uh, goes, but it's definitely not what you suspect. Okay, it's really good. Hmm. All right. Um. Yeah, I knocked out a couple of films. Um. I finally watched Knives Out with Chris Evans and everybody else that acts in the movie. So I thought that was really good. It was. It was fun. It was kind of. Uh, I don't know, what's the other word I'm looking for? It just kept you entertained. It kept you kind of like what's like where's this going? So yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed that. Um, the Peanut Butter Falcon. That is the Shia LaBeouf's film, and I'm not sure if he won something for that, but I know it was nominated last year's Oscars, if I'm not mistaken. But that one follows the story of um, Shia LaBeouf plays this guy that um, kind of lives down in the bayou in Louisiana, and he's down on his luck. Uh, he, he's like a shrimp boat person and he doesn't have a job. Things have gone bad. He drinks. And um, the other guy, oh God, the one that ends up being, his nickname is Peter Falcon. I cannot think of his name in this movie. He has Down syndrome and he has no other family. So he lives in the old folks home because that's where he could, um, that's where they could fit him in. And he breaks out of that. He runs away and he kind of, links up with Shia LaBeouf's character who's living out near the water and by a cornfield and whatnot. And they um, start a trek to head down to Florida to, uh, to, to, to just kind of finish this journey. And it's really lighthearted. It, it sounds like it would be heavy, but it's actually kind of fun and uh, funny and Dakota Johnson's in it and, and yellow wolf's in it. He plays <laughs> one of the, sh one of the shrimp farmers or shrimp boat people. So, but no, it was really good. I was on Amazon. And then um, I, meant to, I meant to talk about this before we went on our little break, but TCM has been doing this series of women in film and it's every Tuesday for September, October, November, and December. And they, it's a, they show like a, like a little, an hour long documentary that's focused on a theme. So it may be like uh, character development or music or something, but it's all focused on women in film. And then they show like, five or six films through the night starting at eight o'clock so i've been setting up the dvr to record those but it's been pretty good and it's um it's definitely worth watching so kind of seeing how the trajectory of women in film so yeah okay that's, that does sound interesting i don't yeah. know if you can see them though i have to i'll have to check yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right that concludes our no concession segment we are now in transition into our big feature presentation uh, we've been waiting all break to talk about this, and yes. it deserves all the time we have left here. We are discussing the first four episodes of HBO's newest 
show Lovecraft Country. Yes, yes. Um, this is the series uh, adaptation of Matt Ruff's book of the same name, and this is created by Misha Green uh, with executive producers Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams, starring Jonathan Majors, Journey Smollett, Courtney B. Vance, Michael K. Williams, Anjanae Ellis, uh, who are some other big names here. That's basically the main cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll just start with initial thoughts. So far, we, we've both seen uh, the last four episodes, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. So what are your initial thoughts on the series as a whole, just, just this far? It's been excellent. I don't think there's been one episode that was just, like, down. I mean, it's moved the plot along um at a good pace all four episodes to this point so um that was good the, the costumes are good the, the clothing i mean uh the, the set design everything the music the lighting it's all it's been it's been a treat man it's been really good and then the story the story is like fun and there's a lot to uh to pay attention to right right i, I agree it's never let letting up it's been on 10 since the first opening scene. Right, right, right. One And um, I really like how it's, <clears throat> excuse me, how it's kept the momentum going and also um, is informing and informative, but also finding ways to um, celebrate, you know, just Black life despite right. uh, the circumstances, whatnot, and this exploration into sci-fi and horror fantasy that you don't really see black people in anywhere. Right, right. right. It's Absolutely. definitely something new. So just in case those who have never seen the show or have not watched yet, there will be spoilers, but we'll give you a quick summary of the main premise. Um, this is a story of Majors Atticus Freeman, who is a veteran coming home because his father, played by Michael K. Williams, has gone missing and he's left a note describing that he's gone looking for um, some, some truth about his late mother's ancestry and that she possibly is linked to some, um, some nefarious white peoples, nefarious right. power um, in New England, uh, United States. So he, his uncle, uh, George, played by Courtney B. Vance, and his best friend, Letitia Lewis, played by Journey Smollett, um, go on this adventure to rescue Montrose and get to the bottom of whatever it is that is his quote-unquote birthright. And along the way, they meet um, some colorful characters, some monsters, and experience some really death-defying <laughs> situations, right. both of the supernatural being and just of Jim Crow's own doing. Right, um, right. This is all set in 1950s America in Chicago. So Jim Crow is real. Um, and as we know, it's it's not called Jim Crow anymore, but racism still exists today. So right, absolutely. So within the same vein as like Watchmen, we're we're seeing a lot of education being put forth of the truth about America and its history. And we see a lot of it in even the supernatural um, yeah. 
elements because a lot of people are learning from this show and what the book did as well was that H.P. Lovecraft, the killer, was an intense white supremacist and racist. Yeah. Right. And those things were very, still very strong in his novels. Right. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's always the interesting thing when people hype up H.P. Lovecraft. Like he made, uh, you can't doubt that he was like talented, but yeah, it's kind of like, uh, well. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And that's what we're sort of facing a lot um, as, as we are starting to sort of unlearn taught um, history and taught stories or falsehoods, we're seeing that, you know, people are human and these great, mostly white men we lift up on the pedestal weren't that great for everybody. Right. So um, that's the main premise. Um, let's just hit up each episode and just talk about our favorite moments. Okay. Just with the four episodes we have. So the first episode was sundown yes. um so this is the episode that brings our three characters to the land of lovecraft country which is near devon county in um, new england uh united states in that massachusetts area um what stood out for you in this episode <laughs> um i think i was glad they kind of got like right into it, you know what I mean? There, there mm-hmm. wasn't. Uh, we didn't have to need. We didn't need an episode to build up to any sort of climax. But um, I think the first thing that stood out to me was how, and that, that's when I was talking to my sister. I was like, I'm not sure how you would describe this show, like what the genre would be, because the people and the characters were so accepting that this supernatural stuff was happening. You know what I mean? It wasn't. It was there was there at no point where they like oh well shut up you're just making up this stuff like everybody knew it was real so it's like a sci-fi surrealist type show where they live in this world where supernatural stuff happens so I thought that was interesting that stuck out to me just on a a larger scale but um Mm -hmm. uh, I, I generally felt some anxiety when they were getting chased by the the sheriff's deputies to to get out of the county yeah, that, sh- that had me on edge man i felt so uncomfortable watching that like, yeah that entire sequence which is i don't know like 10, 10 15 minutes of the show yeah, it's too long yeah oh my gosh it it definitely um from the time the sheriff arrives to the time they are in the woods right that up and down of of what's going to happen is is almost unbearable because we know typically what would happen. Absolutely. What yeah. could happen. Um, and just the way he plays with them with the civility of, of, ha- of doing his duty of hanging them because they're in a sundown town. Right. Them where they can't speed up or he'll stop them or they can't stop or he'll stop them. It's, it's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. Because then when they get to the county line, there's more cops waiting from them. And like, you're thinking, well, they get out of this county, they'll be in a county that's not a sundown county. And then they go into another one. It's like, oh my gosh, man. Like, Yeah. It was a lot, but it was good. It was good. Yeah, it was terrible. Terrible. Um, and that is when we first, um, well, right before that, we first see uh, the the white woman, which we would come to learn is uh, Christina Braithwaite. 
Yeah. We'll learn about her in the next episode, which is Whitey's on the Moon. Yeah. Now this was a this was this was a I mean they're both good episodes, but this one was like this was like a wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think with the first episode of them arriving at the house, I think a lot of people were like, Oh, so you know, this is where we where most of the story is gonna take place. No, we were in the house for that episode and then it was gone. Right. Right. Which a lot of people weren't expecting. But um yes, the big moments for me in this episode was of course learning about, you know, the Braithwites and how Atticus is linked to them from a dis- right. uh Hannah, who is basically a slave who was raped by the elder Titus Braithwite. And because of this, Linian, she's connected to this order of magician scientists who are basically white supremacists, but their belief is that their their work is to return to sort of a place of um like a utopia, free of right. sin, free of colors, free of women evenly, where basically the man is at peace with everything. Right, right. So yes, uh, we we see uh, Tony Goldwyn as uh, Samuel Braithwaite mm-hmm. in a small cameo. Um, trying to think what else. I think the biggest thing in this episode was just the sort of the the horrors the horrors we saw that were within them, like the right. Um, beyond the things they're experiencing, their personal horrors, you have Atticus who's dealing with whatever ramifications he experienced in the war. Right. Um, you have Letitia who has suffered abandonment and has trust issues. And yeah. beyond that strong exterior, she's very delicate. And yeah. then George, who has sort of been living a lie to protect you know, his family and family secrets and sort of certain trauma. Um, I I think that was like the biggest scene here for me in this episode. I think um, the the woman that plays Christina, Abby Kershaw, she's actually a model. Like she was a model before she ever did acting. And obviously you can see it if you look at her. Definitely. She's like, (laughs) she's, she's definitely got the look. But um, her her character, and obviously we'll get more to it. But uh, there hasn't been an episode yet where I I know her motive. Where I'm like, okay, I know what she wants. Like it just hasn't come to me yet. Right. Right. And an interesting tip uh, tidbit for those who have may not have read the book, um, the Christina Brethwright character in the book is a man named Caleb. So there mm, okay. was. A definite change there to make her a female and it definitely adds something different to the story as you see that the yeah. sons of Adams are all men and despite being uh, Samuel's daughter she doesn't inherit any of the leadership roles in this yeah. group and it speaks to the sexism that um, that is carried on through this this organization um, and then I think the other big thing in this episode is we 
seemingly lose, almost lose two people. Um, yeah. Which is wild for a second episode of a series. Right, yeah. Um, essentially, the group escapes. They find, their, um, uh, as his father, they're on the run to leave this place and they're stopped um, by supernatural powers. And uh, Samuel shoots Letitia, which at that moment I was like, okay, like what's happening? Right. And um, there's a whole other scenes, but um, miraculously he saves Letitia, but um, he also shoots Uncle George and sadly George uh, does not make it. And looking back, scenes with George in this episode felt very sort of epic, like grandstanding, like the way he encouraged Atticus and Letitia after the, um, like the dream sequences in their rooms. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just, he seemed like he was sort of making sort of like a last testament almost. Yeah, kind of like he knew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that last scene with him in the car, uh, Atticus crying, that was excruciating, especially with um, Leon Bridges playing in the background. Yeah. Yeah, the music in this show is like on point. Oh, yeah, definitely this last episode. <laughs> oh, yes, which we will get to after we discuss episode three, which is Holy Ghost. Um, and so far, <clears throat> despite a few changes here and there, the episodes are following the chapters in the book pretty closely. Um, okay. There are some changes, but I wouldn't, won't spoil them yet. But we have Holy Ghost, where it's been, a, I guess, a few months, a few weeks. Yeah, it's a month or so. Yeah, time has jumped. They've buried George, which does not sit well with Hippolyta, who is um, no. George's wife, and their daughter, Diana. Um, she knows something is not right, and she's... She's sort of fixating against the bottom of it, but not just yet. And Letitia buys a house. Yeah. And the house is haunted. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and there's a some different things the way this is written in here than the book. But basically, Letitia discovers that her house was the home of a astrophysicist who in Chicago basically was provided black bodies to experiment on, and those bodies were left in his house. Yeah. Um, eight total. So she she's she's set on exercising the house, and that's an extraordinary scene, uh, which I think will be Journey's reel for the Emmys, Golden Globes, whatever. Oh yeah, it has to be. That that final scene um, was incredible. And at the same time, as she's battling these demons within the house, um, she's bought this house in a white neighborhood, and the white-only committee isn't having it. So no. she's going to battle um, racism and racism terrorism from the outside. Um, what stood out to you in this episode three? Um, it was... The, the, the show does a good job of making sure you're still having fun while trying to like creep you out. And you got that in this one because, um, you know, it kind of, the way they were partying and dancing gave me like the vibe that, you know, when you read books about like, you know, 
the Harlem Renaissance and all that type of stuff. It, there were all these artists and people just in this house having a good time. And I like that. But then on the flip side, like you said, the house is haunted. And the scene where Letitia is, where she's in that bed and the camera pans over and that like ghost creature is crouching down. That scared the piss out of me. I was like, what? Hold on a second. Crazy. It yeah. almost looked like a bludgeoned version of um, the woman from Get Out, the maid. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. It really did. And but, um, yeah, the the covers start moving, and then, yeah, the camera pans over her body, and it's like, oh. But, I mean, the story is dark, and the the the, the like you said, the racism is hard to take, and the cars that killed me. But um, but yeah, somehow they, they you, you continue to have fun through it all. But uh, but yeah, that's that's what I took from it. Yeah, yeah. the The party scene was was great. Yeah, really gave us that that levity because that's sort of like what it is to be black in America. You have to have that right escapism, whether it's music or books or you know. This, this stars in the sky, like the fantasy and whatnot is what they use to sort of escape the horrors of reality. And in some cases it's better. Right. Like, the show goes from episode one seem easier to combat than the right. chef and the racist white woman with superpowers. Like it's, it's, it's an amazing parallel. Um, and that brings us to episode four this week's episode, The History of Violence. Um, here we have a, uh, well, the way Holy Ghost ends, um, Atticus learns that Letitia was able to buy the house because Christina gave her the money to and basically conspired for this haunted house to come in her possession because there's something that she wants, obviously. And she sort of, enlist them to find what she wants and it's in a museum in Boston so what was originally supposed to be a trip with Letitia Atticus and his father Montrell's turned to a family gathering with um uh Hippolyta and and then Tree (laughs) (laughs) the neighborhood clown um as they venture to Boston to find um this artifact that uh, Christina is asking for and this episode really dealt as it says in the title history of violence not only dealt with um generational trauma that you experience within families especially black families but then just the history of violence in America as a whole right yeah because we um we saw characters representing um you know original indigenous people here on land who were vanquished and entire cultures destroyed by white colonizers. Um, And in this case, it was Titus Brethwhite who who just took what he wanted. Um, And that's one of the lines I really liked in this this episode, the the siren they meet, the two-spirited individual. Yeah. uh, Speaks on how she never met anyone with such hunger and that really stood out and it really describes unfortunately sort of the western culture right um we have this hunger for things and possessions 
that will do anything to get them, um, especially at the expense of people that don't look like us and have less than us. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and com- sort of like compared to the last episode, compared to the last three episodes, this one was a lot more comical. Um, it had an element of like the Goonies and Indiana Jones as they go on this adventure. Yeah, absolutely. That, that the first thing that came to my mind was like when they went in the museum and they the they got into like the statue thing. I had like I was like, oh, this is like um, what's we call it? National Treasure from Nicolas Cage. Wow. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Yes, yes, it, it definitely had that sort of light, sort of scavenger hunt um, feel to it, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, so. The three of them go, and of course, we know Atticus and Montrose don't have the best relationship because of their history of violence. You know, Atticus was, I guess, mistreated. We don't know if he was really beat, but he did experience some some form of abuse from his father because he was different. He enjoyed books. Um... They just didn't see eye to eye on things. And then we learn, uh, sort of got an inkling in the earlier episodes, but learn that Montrose was also abused as a child and possibly because of his sexuality. um, Yeah. Which his father demonized upon him. And he then realizes, you know, that's the only way he knows how to, quote unquote, love his son. and despite their arguing and whatnot, there was that moment when they're in the tunnel as the water's rising, and he sort of explains how, you know, you need a song, you know, when you're a woman, because Atticus and Letitia have become sort of like romantically involved. He lets, right. you know, you need a song you can sing when they're fussing, right? Fussing and whatnot, because all that fussing is love. And you basically, you know, have Montrose telling Atticus like in his own way that he does love him, he does care for him. And right. despite him not doing it the best way, he's doing it in the only way he know he knows how to protect him. Yeah. Um and as much as we think Montrose sort of experienced growth in this episode, he sort of resorts right back to those Yeah violent tendencies, as you'd say, from Westworld when he um, viciously murders, uh, I think her name was Yahime? Yeah, I think that's how it's pronounced, yeah. Yes. Um, just slits her throat, and we... I'm not really sure why. I Is it just because he's... he's afraid of what's to come? Like... Y- your guess is as good as mine, but what I was thinking was like, as much as he knows about everything they're doing, he must know more. And maybe she had the key to expose something. Like, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I was, I was lost by that. I was kind of like, like, really? Like, come on. Like, yeah. yeah, it was, it was definitely startling because I was not expecting that at all. Um, so that's the first four episodes. Um, and also, as that's going on. We have uh, Hippolyta finally deciding that she's going to get to the bottom of her husband's death, and she and Dee are on their way to Devon County. Yeah. 
because um, when addicts then find the pages for Christina, it leads them through this tunnel that mm. actually leads back to Letitia's house. So it kind of confirms that Titus, Titus's um, exploration expanded across the country. Right. All right. So four episodes in. Um, what is your predictions for what will happen next? What What, what do you have in mind? Uh. I I I'm kind of stumped, but I'll take a guess here. I I hope hopefully things become more clear about where. Uh, okay, with Christina, I don't think she's going to take a side. My guess is that she is in this for her. Mm-hmm. She seems like like you know she wants what she wants. She's been mistreated, and she feels like she deserves something. So she's going to get that for her. But as for the group, the main group. I think they're going to find, um, I think they're going to get the answers that they're looking for, but uh, it's going to, it's going to uncover some deep, dark stuff along the way that it's not going to be easy to take. And, um, oh, and then um, the whole thing with Letty's sister. So, yes, Ruby, I I, I was about to bring that back up because I totally forgot about her. So, yeah. Um, we, we meet Letty's sister in episode one at the, I just call it block party. Yeah, the block party. And they're half sisters because she yeah. and Marvin and Letty all have the same mom, but Letty's father is, is someone different. Right. And they have a strenuous relationship because, um, Letty has always been sort of flighty, I guess you'd say the word is. Yeah. Sort of like a free spirit and not really settling down and and committing to things. And when she buys this house, as in episode three, she says, you know, she won a lottery, but it, it turns out that she actually inherited the money that her mother left her and that she didn't share with her brother and sister. Uh, money from the mother whose funeral she did not attend. So uh, this puts a rift between her and Ruby. And Ruby you know, sort of has been working diligently to sort of be the exceptional Negro per se, sort of right, right. break through. She's, she's dying to get this job at the local Wallsworth department store and time after time she's been rejected. And episode four, she discovers that another black woman has been hired, which she already knows that that puts her out of the competition because there can only be one. And sort of sort of fed up with it. She's drunk at a bar and a familiar character we've seen before, William, rides in and he was like the concierge at the um Braithwaite mansion in Devon County Devon County for Atticus and them. Um and there's assumptions, did you catch this, that William and Christina may be one. Yeah. Which is definitely not in the book. That, I could see that though. I could. That, that no, that would that would absolutely flip this story. I would I wouldn't know how to react, but yeah, because we've noticed that you know when he introduces them to the house and whatnot, Christina's not there. Right. And the scene in this last episode, you know, she she arrives home, 
from a less than flattering meeting with the local police who are trying to ebb her out of right. the corner. And no sooner than she walks in the house, William walks out and um, says he has a date. And that's when he arrives to meet Ruby. And right. we don't know if it's the alcohol or some spell, but the two go home together, get on the staircase. And that's that. So it'll be interesting to see how at that development because Ruby doesn't seem to type to fall for that. Yeah. But given the mental state she's in and sort of like the, the fuck she doesn't have left to give. Um, she's sort of, sort of, she's sort of pining for hers in this situation. All right. All right. And um, the characters, we know about the sort of, fantastical stuff but then there's like the you know the fictional history and the racism and whatnot and these characters are just not one-dimensional they're so multifaceted so do you see any of yourself in any of the characters or um in the the history that's displayed or even the genre because you really don't think about black people in these shows but since they're there do you see any of yourself in any of these characters i would say <clears throat> as for the genre i would say i don't necessarily see myself but i i i've always liked that i've always wanted to be you know, like you just said you don't see black people in movies about being adventurers or explorers you don't you know we're always the primitive people that the white explorers come to and find like the lost amulet or some shit so you know um and in that sense i kind of i don't know that that would be kind of cool so in that but as for what character i see myself the most in i i don't know it's there's there's parts of letty that i think you, I, I can see the whole um maybe not the flighty part but you know the the tough exterior type thing and then and then with Tick, just, you know, kind of, uh, the, like, just the determination. Like, you know, there, there's got to be more. The will, the wanting to search for something and, and keep going and not, you know, giving up. But, but yeah, so I, I would say for those two. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and for those that want more on the show, there's a, a podcast, official podcast that debuts after each episode. I've been listening to that. But yeah. For me, I, I agree, like, the the adventurous in them, I definitely can see myself. Because growing up, we sort of grew up in that era where, you know, I mean, there's always been comics and stuff, but, like, we got right. live-action versions and Power Rangers and all this other stuff. And we were in there, but we weren't really... Right, absolutely. ...in there, so... Um, and it's just interesting to see characters, you know, that that are black but aren't, excuse me, um, I don't know, athletes or thugs or some sort of criminal, you know, they're they're just like regular black people, you know. Atticus is a nerd, basically. George right. is a nerd. Like they're all nerds and they're being whisked away. It's like a Stranger Things, but Cosby show. Right. So it's definitely something 
something new. And even though I've read the book, I appreciate the changes that they've done in this version because it definitely makes you think more. Right, um, yeah. Yeah, because there's just, like in the book, it's not a spoiler, but like mostly everyone survives in the book. Like George dying was like, whoa. Right. So so I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what happens next. <clears throat> so uh, this Sunday will be episode five. Yes. Um, I don't know if I've seen a title or not. I can't remember if there was a title. But I think this episode will focus on Hippolyta and Diana. Yeah, oh. that would be interesting. Oh, go ahead. Or maybe it's Ruby. I can't remember. No, it's Ruby because I remember from the preview. Okay. I can't remember what it's called. The title is Strange Case. Correct. Yeah. And we'll be focused on Ruby and sort of like her, the ramifications of her sleeping with William and what sort of comes of that proposition he has for her. Right. And you can watch Lovecraft Country every Sunday at 9 p.m. on HBO and HBO Max. And then the podcast, a company podcast, is Lovecraft Country Radio. And that's hosted by one of the writers of the show, Shannon Houston. Uh, she also um, wrote for uh, Low Fires Everywhere this year. Okay. Ashley Ford is a writer. And she's from Indianapolis. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, she... <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I know that she... I think she's done some stuff here and in Bloomington as well. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting to hear them discuss it, especially from a woman's point of view. Yeah. Um, that Misha is a creator. Um, yeah. So you can always tune into that wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Before we get out of here, where are you streaming for the weekend? <laughs> um, okay. So for this weekend, uh, I think this is dropped already. It's already out, but it's a movie called um, Night Comes Home. And it's with Dominique Fishback, who was in... Um, Project Power and probably for most people most she was in uh, The Deuce with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Franco and uh, this focus on, focuses on her as a woman who's just got a, I think a juvenile detention and she's kind of trying to piece her life back together and uh, see what comes next for her but I don't know man I'm a big fan of hers because her character arc on The Deuce was was incredible and she she made it so realistic so um, I'm, I'm excited to see what she does for the rest of her acting career. So it seems yeah. like she's starting to uh, take flight. Yeah, Brittany, uh, my sister was home this weekend and she actually watched that movie yesterday. I was watching something else, but she said, yeah, she saw that she was in it and she wanted to look at it. She said it's really good. Yeah, so yeah, I'm definitely gonna check that out this weekend. Yeah. So for me, um, I want to try to see some of the DC fandom uh, part two. Um, okay. just to see what he's talking about. I don't really follow the shows as much anymore, but um, I'll just see what they're discussing. And then Wednesday, I believe, Hulu drops a new series called Woke. On the oh, okay. Star- oh, yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Uh, Harris. No, that's not his name. Lamore Morris from uh, and um, a bunch of stuff. He's a, mostly a comedy actor, but um, this sort of like based on the creator's sort of real life. He's a comedian or comic. Shoot, I can't remember. But um, he sort of lives his life, um, not really worried about you know politics or social issues, 
until he went into an, an incident with the police and it sort of like sparks sort of like his wokeness. So it's like a sort of like a, oh. a satire sort of feel. Yeah. Uh, well, series. It looks pretty good. So that's what I hope to catch or start sometime in between everything else and see how it goes. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty. So <clears throat> don't forget to rate Review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and you can get in touch with us at AS Life Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, keep on streaming. Yes, peace. This has been It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. Listen, share, rate, and subscribe weekly on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get streamable live.